Thank you for listening to the teaching podcast of Muncie First Church. If you would like to know more about us, go to MuncieFirstChurch.com. Or if you would like to support a ministry, go to the giving page, MuncieFirstChurch.com slash give. Well, let's jump into the teaching from this last week. Well, if you have your Bibles, take them and turn to a very familiar passage of Scripture as we look together. And um, Mark chapter 10, verse 17 is where I want you to turn to. We're going to look at that and following a little bit and uh, just talk about some of those things. Again, good to have all of you here. I know that New Year's, just the week before New Year's, there's a lot of things we can be doing. A lot of people are doing that, obviously. But uh, we're glad that you chose this. And so thank you. Thank you very much for doing that. And as we move into 2020... And can you believe that? I mean, it just seems like the other day we were talking about, oh man, it's going to be 2000 and we're wondering if our computers were going to keep running, Uh, (laughs) you know, and all that stuff. But but 2020, we're moving into a a new decade this week, okay? Uh, I saw a thing on Facebook said, uh, I'm going to order a pizza five minutes before midnight and say, I ordered it. And when they deliver it, then I'm going to say, I ordered this last year. I'm, I'm going to do it and say, man, or this last decade. I mean, come on, you know, <laughs> uh, you, know it's, it, it, you think about that. It's been a, it's, it's amazing. We're going into a whole new decade. And, um, you know, it's going to be the roaring 20s all over again. Hopefully the ending isn't quite the same. If I remember right, there was a bad day at the end of that, 29. So we'll try to avoid that. But, but even when we seem to have everything all together and everything all worked out, in a lot of our hearts, there's an emptiness of our soul because we really don't know who we are. I want to talk about that a little bit this morning. We don't really know who we are. And you go, oh, I know who I am. And, and I understand you know your name, but I'm, I'm guessing that a lot of us really don't understand who we are. We haven't fully surrendered to God. We haven't given Him everything. I, I know this morning, I was, I've been struggling with that this morning myself, uh, you know, because uh, it's so easy to say, yeah, I've surrendered everything to God, I've given Him everything, and then when stuff happens, picking it back up and, and grabbing a hold of it, you know, it has to stay surrendered, it has to stay dead. Uh, we're living far less than God intended for us to live. But we, we don't have to take that forward into 2020 and beyond. We just don't have to. There's, there's ways to, to defeat that and defeat Satan, and I want to talk about that today. God desires that we surrender full control of our lives to Him because we, He knows that we're going to face some things in 2020, and that as we go into that and the years on beyond that He gives us, uh, uh, they're going to be difficult, and we're not going to be able to do it alone. If you try to do that all by yourself, you're in trouble. I can tell you that right now. I, I, I've lived that. I've tried that. It doesn't work. And secondly, God knows that the surrender of our life to Him is an impossibility on our own. Trying to surrender and give God everything, it it just doesn't work. We give it, we take it, we give it, we take it, we give it, we take it. You know, we're always taking back what we put down. There has to be a place in the time where we're able to say, God, I'm going to let you take full control of this. Third, we have to get this, that in 2020, when we give up everything to God's control, we can trust God to supply all of our needs, and we don't have to get all stressed out about it that we can trust Him, that there is a place and time when we lay down the full control of our lives that we can trust Him, that we can trust Him, that we can trust Him. And trust is one of the hardest things that we people, us humans, have to try to do. Hebrews chapter 11, Darcy read that out loud this morning in our house and talking about all the people of faith. It's the faith chapter. And every one of those guys that said, died still not having seen everything that was promised. That's what trust is. It's 
saying, okay, God, even if I don't see it in my lifetime, even if it doesn't always work out the way I'd like for it to, even if I die and the promises haven't been met on earth, I believe that you're still going to do it. That's what Abraham did all the way down. So as we wrap up 2019, I want to ask you this question and and I want you to participate. Oh, by the way, today, I want to just mention this. Uh, You get about what you put into things. Everybody agree to that? You know, if, if you you know, if you put something into something, you get a little something back, you know. Um, if you put a lot of something into something, you get a lot of something back. Worship's a lot like that. And the messages are a lot like that. And I get a lot out of these messages, but I put a lot into them. My guess is most of you don't get a lot out of these messages. You got to put something back into it. So I'd love to have some response back today. Yeah, I know you can get excited, wave your hands. You can say, hey, that's stupid. I'll get it. I understand that. I'll, I'll just say, hey, you know, that's your opinion. You know, Ohio State should have won last night. You know, I mean, you know, everybody's got an opinion. Everybody's got an opinion. I'm, I'm respectful of your opinion. It's wrong, but it's okay. You know, so just talk to me and, and let's just let's just try it and see what happens here. Um, so as we wrap up 2019, this one question I want to ask, what one thing or things is it that you find almost impossible to surrender? What's the thing in your life that you find almost impossible to give up? You know, anybody? What? Yeah, holler it out. What, pie? Yeah, okay, I, I'm with you on that, Al. That's a, that's a tough one, isn't it? Well, anybody else? Anything that you can hardly give up? What? Sleep. <laughs> yeah, and sometimes you have to give up sleep to get what God wants, yeah. Anybody else? Just throw it out there. What's, what's tough for you to give up in 2019 as you leave it? What is it? Golf? Okay. Worry. That's a big one. Yeah, worry. Right. What is, what is it? Tacos. Yeah, man, me too. <laughs> I'm with you. Tacos. Yeah. Now, you know, there's all kinds of things that we, uh, God's asking us to surrender to Him, to give to Him. And it, and it is difficult. I mean, I don't know anybody that can say, well, it's not difficult for me. It is. That one thing is exactly what God wants you to dwell on because God wants to teach you something big this morning. He wants you to put your mind, your focus on that which would be hard for you to give up, that which would be hard for you to surrender to Him because that is what will change 2020 and beyond for you as you surrender that to Him. So if God came to you right now and said, go sell, set aside, go lay down, control over blank, come and follow me, what thing is it that you would have to say? And that is hard. Lots of things out there. Money might be one of them. Family. A lot of people, if you had to give up control over your family, I'm not saying give up your family. I'm saying giving up control, control over your family, uh, pleasure, you, you know, the things that you do for pleasure. What if God were to say to you, look, you're spending too much time in front of the TV or you're spending too much time uh, doing, you know, playing golf or, or, or fishing or whatever it might be. Maybe your home, maybe God is saying, you know, you've put too much into your house and too much into your home. You need to back off. That's not the most important thing in the world. Or maybe your career, the career is a good one. Food, food could easily get in there. The friends that you hang out with, you know, what if God said, look, you've got good friends, but you need to make some other friends. You need to go out and and expand that so that you can reach some other people or maybe some attitudes that you have. Attitudes are one of the things that I find the hardest to change in my life. I can get really sour real fast and really angry and really frustrated. Uh, Priorities, maybe God is saying, hey, your priorities need to change or maybe your time or entertainment, like I said, all those things. So Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 31, Jesus is 
teaching. And as Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem, this is in verse 17, it says this, a man came running up to him and knelt down and asked, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. Honor your father and mother. And he goes on with them. And teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. And looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. And he said, there's still one thing you haven't done. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. And at this, the man's face fell and he went away sad for he had many possessions. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? And this amazed them. And Jesus said again, dear children, it's very hard to enter the kingdom of God. In fact, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were astonished. And then who in the world can be saved, they asked. And Jesus looked at them intently and said, humbly speaking, it's impossible. But uh, humanly speaking, it is impossible, but, but not with God. Everything is possible with God. Then Peter began to speak up. We've given up everything to follow you, he said. Yes, Jesus replied, and I assure you that everyone who has given up houses or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or property for my sake and for the good news will receive now in return a hundred times as many houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and property along with, and this is part of the stuff, along with persecution. And in the world to come, that person will have eternal life. But many who are the greatest now will be least important then. And those who seem important now will be the greatest then. So the story here is not about money. That's what everybody says. Oh, that's about money. It's not about money. So just right now, understand that. This, this whole story really isn't about money. It's not about having or not having some stuff. It's about giving the control of all of your stuff to the Lord, to Jesus, so that you don't have to work so hard to try to control everything and be stressed out all the time. That's really what this is about. It's about you laying down the control over all the stuff so that you aren't walking around with your hair falling out and, and your hair turning gray and, and all ready to die because you're so stressed out by all the stuff. You give all that business to Jesus and you can relax. I'm more and more certain every day that Jesus wasn't really telling this young man that he literally had to sell everything to follow him. That's not what he meant. He wasn't literally saying, go sell all your stuff, take all your money, give it away, become as poor as dirt, and then come and follow me. But I think that what he is saying and what is happening in this young man's life is this. He's finding out that all the stuff and all the things he has in life are just not fulfilling him at the deepest level. He's finding out that somewhere deep down inside of him, when he gets up in the morning, he has a pile of cash, but no peace, no joy. He's not feeling it. A lot of you are saying, give it to me. I'll find some peace and joy. And I understand that. I'd like to have a little bit of his cash myself. But that's not what he's talking about. I think it is actually distracting this young man from the really important things in his life. In fact, he's so busy working and stressing over his money in his life that he probably didn't have time to love his family. He didn't have time to love his kids. He didn't have time to sleep well. He's probably busy and stressed, and he's so busy and stressed that he doesn't have time to talk to his wife or even have a wife, maybe. 
He's living at such a high level of insecurity that it's causing him to buy and hoard things in an attempt to make himself feel like he is in control. Have you ever been there where you're trying to buy things and hanging on to things and saying, I'm going to be in control. I'm going to run things. You may not realize that's what you're doing, but a lot of times that's why we buy. That's why we hoard. That's why we hang on to things. Look, it's mine. And look, if I have enough, if I get enough stuff, if I get enough, I can be in control and I can show you that I win. And that's what he was doing. He's probably thinking, if I have just a little bit more, this isn't quite enough. If I can get just a little bit more, I can relax. You ever wonder how much is enough? I I was thinking about this yesterday. In fact, I said something to Darcy about that. Do you ever wonder if the guy that owns Amazon, I can't think of his name right now. Anybody know what that is? That guy. What did you say his name was? Okay, well, yeah. Well, the guy that owns Amazon... He, for a short time, was the richest guy in the world, but then he got divorced. You know how that goes. <laughs> He's not the richest guy in the world anymore. <laughs> he had to share with his wife. She got like $50 billion, so he only has like 93 left. Billion, I mean. Poor guy. Yeah, she's the richest guy in the world. He's the guy making her the richest guy in the world. I don't know. But, you know, the reality is, is that that's more than enough, isn't it? Don't you think? I mean, you know, you guys wake up here a little bit because, I mean, <laughs> if I say I got 90 billion, are you guys excited right now? I mean, you're going to, man, maybe you'll help me out and give me a little bit. You know, this church is going to get paid off real quick and maybe my life. Yeah, Ron, I'll get you a new car. I got 90 billion. We'll take care of that for you. You know, buy you the gun range and all that other stuff. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, 90 billion seems like enough. Yeah, it never is. You know, they're, they're, Amazon's in the process right now of trying to figure out how they can ship and save all that money. So that they don't have to pay FedEx and UPS and the UPS, you know, United States Post Office instead, and, and and they can get it for themselves because you know they want more because a little bit isn't enough and a lot's not enough and there's always something in us that says if I could just get a little bit more, I can relax, and that's a false logic. That's not truth because if you get a little bit more, you just have to stress a little bit more over how to hang on to that little bit more while you make a little bit more to try to feel better. Money is what makes me who I am, is what he's saying, and it's what satisfy me, satisfies me. But it isn't doing either one for this man. When he comes to Jesus to ask how to get to heaven, it was like he was doing another business deal. He was trying to control that. He was coming to Jesus with control in his hands and said, okay, give me the bottom line. What do I have to do to make sure I got everything in the right order so that I go to heaven if I die? And he just doesn't understand what he's talking about. And he just doesn't understand who he is. And he just doesn't understand his context, where he came from. Who is this guy? And, and we really don't know who this guy is. We don't know who he is. He, he follows the law. We know that because he said he kept all the commandments. He has a lot of money because he's the rich young man. We know that. We know that he's Jewish. He's one of God's chosen. But we don't know anything more than that. And he doesn't understand who he is. He doesn't realize that God has gifted and blessed him with all he has. He thinks he's done it all himself. He's living in the wrong context. He needs to change his context. He needs to see that all he has is God's and that God who provides will protect and keep him if he trusts in him. But he doesn't understand that. So this rich kid does what he does best. He tries to use his control to buy his salvation through Jesus. He goes to him and says, hey, what do I have to do? 
He's expecting Jesus to say, why don't, you, why don't you fund our ministry for a while? If you'll do that, I'll take care of things. Why don't you, uh, uh, you know, come over here and, and, and you know, maybe give, our, give our, our guys some food from time to time? We'll, we'll, we'll see what we can do about salvation. He thinks he's in control. What do I have to do? I got to tell you the truth. I do that. Anybody here else do that? I mean, we do that. Surely that's not enough, what God wants me to do. I've got to do something else. And then Jesus blows his mind. Oh yeah, I got one more thing for you. If you really want to know, here's what it is. Go sell everything you've got and give it to the poor and come and follow me. And it says he went away sad. See, Jesus understood the problem here. And the problem's not money. It's the thinking that because he has money that he's in control. Money doesn't give you control. It just gives you money. In fact, it makes you crazy. It makes you stressed. Money isn't the problem here. It's not understanding his context that is the problem. It's not understanding who he is that is the problem here. The problem wasn't that he had money. The problem was that he was letting his money define who he was. The problem is he didn't understand where his money had come from. The problem is that his money was his security. His money had become his idol. It had become his identity. It was his priority in life. This was what mattered to him. You've got to understand here something. I want you to get this really clear here. I don't want anybody later on telling me that I said something I didn't say. Uh, there's this uh, spirit of, uh, in the church that twists and turns things from time to time, and you hear things differently than I actually said them. So I want to make this perfectly clear. Jesus wasn't, was not, wasn't against money. Never was. Jesus has no problem with money and prosperity. Jesus is just sad to see him sell himself so cheaply, to give himself away for just mere cash. He mattered to Jesus. This, this young man mattered to Jesus terribly. He was one of God's children, and money was not worthy of his life. Jesus wanted him to enter into a full-on relationship with this young man, and his money was getting in the way. Jesus wanted him to say, come here. He wanted to say to him, come here, let's, let's enter into a relationship. But there was a, there was a gulf between them. This man had made money his priority, and he couldn't get to Jesus because all the money was in the way. He didn't understand his purpose. He didn't understand the context of his life. See, the truth is, is you, me, this young man, all of us, we're made for a relationship with Jesus. That's it. It's really simple. Life has become so difficult because we've taken it and we don't understand what it's about. We're made for a relationship with Jesus. And we are who we are by the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, by God's grace. Here's something that maybe you don't get. Listen carefully here. Did you know that everything you're going through is part of the thing God is allowing you to go through? To bring you to him. So if you're going through some stuff right now and it's tough and it's difficult and you're thinking, man, I don't understand why I'm going through this. I can tell you, God's setting it up so that you'll understand who he is so you can see your relationship to him. So you'll draw closer to him. That's his whole goal. That's what he wants. That stuff you don't understand, the job you have, the, the struggles you're going through, the marriage that's such a struggle, those kids, the money or lack of it, all of it are part of the context, the plan that God is using to take place in your life, allowing to take place in your life to bring you to a place where you will begin to follow Him. God wants you to follow Him. God knows that He is 
what you were created for. That you were not created for all this other stuff that we've made life about. You were not created for all the things that everybody talks about. That that's going to bring you peace and happiness and joy. And if you just get into the right relationship, and if it just snows at Christmas, and if you just choose the guy that has the tree farm instead of the lawyer, that everything will be good. Uh, you guys don't know what I'm talking about, right? I mean, Hallmark movies. Just, just throwing it out there. C.S. Lewis said this. He said, human history is the long, terrible story of man trying to find something other than God which will make him happy. Think about that. I mean, that's what we do. I've got to find something that makes me happy. I'll buy a bigger, better car. I'll buy a faster car. I'll get a boat. I'll buy a new gun. I'll get some new golf clubs. I'll go on better vacations. I'll buy this. I'll get that. I'll have another baby. We'll do this. We'll do that. And it goes on and on and on, all in an attempt to make ourselves happy. And God's not against any of it. That's the point. God's not against any of it, but he knows that's not going to make you happy. He knows it's not going to make you happy. Because what we're doing is we're using all those things, trying to find something other than God, which will make us happy. That's why wars break out, because there's men and women who try to gain power to make themselves happy. And they walk around wielding that power against other people until finally someone else who's trying to make themselves happy comes up against them. And then two countries end up fighting with each other. It's ugly. So God allows all this other stuff as a context, as your reality, so that you will find that you're missing Him and you'll turn to Him. So when we buy stuff, lose weight, try to look great, go on vacations with family, put our best life forward on social media, have the hap hap happiest Christmas ever and all those other things, no matter what, we try to act like we have life all figured out. No matter how thin we get, no matter how great our lives look, we realize that deep down inside of us there is an empty space and it is a need that wants to be met desperately. That's the truth of what this young man was feeling. There was a desperation in his heart that just couldn't be met. And he came to Jesus and he thought he's had him. And he said, if I just do what? You tell me the answer and I'll go do it. And Jesus said, fine, if you want something to do, let me give you something to do. Go sell everything and come and follow. See, the context of our life tells us this is true because right now, if I could get you to really be honest and to answer me, you would tell me I bought the boat. The best day of my life was the day I bought the boat. The other best day of my life was the day I sold the boat. I bought the motorcycle. It was a great day. Thank God I didn't die on it. And now I've sold the motorcycle. Uh, I, I bought that extra house. I Sadly, found the new girlfriend or whatever it was, and it didn't satisfy. And so we finally come to the place where we come to Jesus, and we do just like this young man. We walk up to Jesus, and we try to put our best foot forward, and we try to buy what we need. I've done all this, bought all that. We try to explain our context to make ourselves look good. And Jesus looks past the facade and says, sell all that stuff, put it on hold, get rid of it, Follow me and I'll bless you in ways you can't imagine. That's what he's telling you. That's what 2020 needs to be, he says. The problem is, is that we, like the rich young man, have allowed our stuff and activities to become our identity. We have misunderstood our context. We think that our stuff and all of our activities and all of our images, who we are, we think this is who I am. I'm, I'm this. 
When people ask you who you are, I'm a banker, I'm a pastor, I'm a housewife, I'm a realtor, I'm a, you know, go down the line with whatever you are. I work at Best Buy, I, I uh, you know, whatever, I'm retired or, or whatever it is. We, we list our things that we do and say, that's my identity. No matter how hard we try and how disciplined we are, how much we buy, that emptiness remains. The reality, Jesus is not asking you to quit working or to hang out uh, with your family any more than he's asking the rich man to sell everything. He's just saying to you and me, understand what all this really is. It's just what you do. Your identity is me. I'm what you need. That stuff is just your context. It's, I'm a, it's what I'm allowing you to get all tangled up in so you'll see your need for me. And Jesus is just saying, check out your priorities and what you're depending on. Figure out that this stuff is not who you really are so that you can set that aside and you can pick me up and follow me. You can get where you belong. Make me first. Come, follow me. See, it's not Jesus and your stuff. It's come follow Jesus and let him have all your stuff. I love that. Thank you. He'll use your burdens, your brokenness, your experiences to build your testimony. There's nothing wrong with the stuff that's happened in your life. Jesus isn't going, well, you've just messed up so bad. He's going to you right now. He's saying all the stuff that you've been involved in, all the stuff that you bought, all the things that you messed up, all the things that have been a burden to you, just bring them to me. I'll make them part of your testimony. And it's by the testimony and the word that you're going to lead people to Jesus. You've got to have a testimony. And he says, I've made you a good testimony. I let you wander in the wilderness. Well, I let you really screw up your life, but I've made it whole now. Let's use it as a testimony. I praise God for that. You'll live in the kingdom out of your context, out of who you've been, and it's according to plan. God is not going to be buffaloed by your plan. He's not going to be mixed up. He's not going to say, I don't know what to do with this one. You'll live in the kingdom in the context of who you've of what you've done. All the stuff comes with you and he says, it's not a big deal. Give it to me. See, Jesus wasn't willing to be an also in this young man's life. Jesus said, sell everything. Set aside all your stuff. Put it on the back burner. Let me have it. Come and follow. The story's not about money or selling everything. You don't have to be poor to follow Jesus. I think Mary, Martha, and Lazarus seemed to be fairly well-off people. They could feed Jesus. They had a house. They had a courtyard. They had a a lot of things going on there. It seems like they had plenty and Jesus hung out with them. There was many people that he hung out with who seemed to have plenty of money. Money doesn't seem to be a big deal to Jesus. I think that maybe instead this story is about making sense out of life and finding the meaning in life that, is, that God has given it and finding purpose that will satisfy you and me. It's about putting life into context and living it out of the purpose and the plan that God has for you. God has a purpose and a plan for your life. It's not for you to just grab a hold of stuff and, and try to hoard for yourself. It's about putting yourself in God's hands. The story is about priorities, finding out what will bring satisfaction in your life. It's about knowing what matters, about making the right things your priorities, about hanging on to the right things and letting go of other things, about getting involved in the things that really matter. And the truth is, is that I, as I have studied the Word and I'm trying my best to preach the Word and not my ideas, I'm trying to teach what I believe God is trying to do for us, with us, in us, as best I know how. The thing that He has shown me 
is that he's the only one that gives life meaning and purpose. He's the only one who gives it a context of meaningfulness and purposefulness. He created me. He created you. He made you to be in relationship with him. It's about letting him lead. It's about following. It's about knowing who you really are. Do you know who you really are? Do you know your true identity? You are a child of God. You were made by him for him. You were not made for all the stuff the world says. That's why it wears you out. That's why you end up so beat down because you're sitting there trying to be something that the world says you're supposed to be and it's not what God made you to be. You don't know your identity. Whatever we make, anything else, our, whenever we make anything else our main priority, there's an emptiness inside of us. And a lot of you are feeling that emptiness. You're feeling that loneliness right now. You're sitting there saying, man, I, I, I don't know. I, I've, I've tried to do what's right. I, I've tried to supply the need. I've tried to do this. I've tried to do that. But there's still an emptiness in me. I've made the money. I, I've saved the money. We've gone here. We've done that. I've had the trips. I've done all the stuff. And I'm still empty inside. It's because Jesus is the only thing that fills that up. So the call in your life is to surrender everything and to make your priority the right thing and to live in that true identity. And the question is, is that what you're doing? Are you living in that? Are you following Him? See, again, money isn't evil. Family isn't evil. Fun, relaxation, it's not evil. It's all good. I'm thankful for vacations. I'm thankful for time to relax. I'm thankful for family. I hope you had a great time with your family. I saw a lot of really great pictures. I saw some where they were in pajamas alike that was just kind of interesting. I'm not even going to those, but you know, the rest of you, it was awesome. Those pictures were fantastic. And I hope you really enjoyed your family. But the reality is, is that that won't satisfy. By itself, it doesn't satisfy. Jesus is saying that anything that becomes a priority over the relationship you have with him, if, if your family becomes a priority over Jesus, if your, if your work becomes a priority over Jesus, if your money becomes a priority over Jesus, if your golf becomes a priority over Jesus, if, if your football becomes a priority over Jesus, anything that's a priority over me is in the wrong place. It's not going to bring happiness into your life. And you need to give that to Him. You need to sell it off from its place of priority. It's not getting rid of it. It's selling it off from its place of priority. Getting it where it belongs so that He can take His place of priority in us. The disciples were a little freaked out by all this. Who can do this to change and follow Jesus like this? Who's going to take care of everything? Where's my family going to do if I'm not there to depend on? How will this affect my relationships? It's why a lot of people refuse the gift. They're sitting there going, well, you just don't understand my family. You just don't understand my life. You don't understand how hard I work. And on and on and on it goes. And what they're saying is, is that I think that I can still make myself happy if I try a little harder. They're not ready yet to know who they are. And they're not ready for the happiness that God brings, Jesus brings into our lives. Because they don't understand their context. Because Jesus is very clear on this. You cannot do this on your own. This is only possible when God does it in you. You can't get rid of your past. It's your past, right? I mean, even when you get saved and He forgives you for it, it's still your past. So the only thing you can do with that past, the only thing you can do with all that is just give it to Him and let Him put it into a new place so that you have a context where you can say, this is where I was and this is who I am.
because of Jesus. It's only as you place Jesus in charge of your life that all the other stuff takes its place and you can find rest and freedom. It only really works when you let Jesus take over and you quit trying to rescue and fix everything. See, that's what he was doing. He was holding on to money, trying to rescue and fix everything and run everything and be in charge of everything. When I do that, I'm stressing myself out and I'm acting in ways that I should not. Jesus said it's impossible. Letting go of our life, it's an impossibility. Man, I have struggled with that for so long in my life. How do I let go of everything? How do I say, Lord, here's everything. I'm going to lay it down. I, I, I guess if I were to ask and you were to tell me the truth, a lot of you have struggled with that. That's a toughie. How do I do that? And Jesus says, you can't. That's why I've struggled with it. You've struggled with it because we can't. Because with us, it's impossible. But then he goes on and said, but with God, all things are possible. And I can do that for you. I can help you. I can set that aside. I can break that chain. I can set you free from all this stuff. We can't, but he can. So we're called to sell everything. Sell everything here doesn't necessarily mean liquidate and walk out with nothing. It just means to sell everything, to change its priority, to move it from front and center to somewhere on the side, out of the way, where Jesus can use it to inform and direct your life. That's so important that you do that. So important that we do that. He wants front and center. He wants us to be so into him. He wants it to be all about him and all the other stuff he'll take care of. The Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added. And all these other things are money, it's family, it's time, it's pleasure, it's all those things. God said, he didn't say, I'm going to take it all away. He says, I'll add it in, in the right place, in the right priorities, in the right amounts in your life. So let me ask you a question here as we wrap this all up. We're at the beginning of a new year and a new decade, like I said. So let me ask you, do you really want to take all the baggage of the past and all the stuff that you're struggling with? Do you want to take that into 2020, into that next year and into this decade? For some of us, this may be the last decade that we live in. I'm not trying to be morbid or weird, but it's just truth. And for some of us, you know, we've been living our lives, trying our best for so long, and we're worn out, and we're tired, and we don't feel like it. And, and do you really want to bring all the junk you've been carrying over your shoulder, you know, the big bag and the rope, you're pulling it, you want to bring that into 2020 with you? It's a good question. Do you want to let the past hurts, hang-ups, and guilt define who you are for the rest of your life? I don't. I'm not saying you don't know Jesus because you know what? I'm standing here preaching to the choir today and I realize that, that 99%, maybe almost all of you have a relationship of some sort with Jesus Christ and that you are, you are Christians. But, but And I, I know this and I know a lot of us, including me, have tried to follow Jesus while pulling around a load of junk. We're trying to hang on to the past. We're trying to hang on to our stuff. Well, I want Jesus, but I, I, I want to have my way. I want Jesus, but I was right about this, and she won't forgive me, and I won't forgive her. And I love Jesus, but, but he, he's a jerk. I mean, am I relating anybody hearing me on this? We're angry at someone or something. We're still trying to be everything and follow Jesus, and we're coming up to him, okay, what do I have to do? I've done everything. And he says, you need to forgive that guy. 
well, that's not right. That's, that's just about as hard as giving away all your money, isn't it, sometimes? You know? And, and when he says forgive, he's not meaning you need to just say, oh, yeah, you're forgiven, and then, but I'll go on hating you if I want to. It, it means that you're going to repent, apologize, say you're forgiven, even if he doesn't forgive you or if he's the one that's guilty or, you know, it's not your fault, but you've got to do the apologizing. Or, wow, maybe you're tired of micromanaging your, your, your affairs with your family. You know, you're, you've got adult children. They're not doing what you think they ought to do, so you're still trying to tweak it, still trying to tweak their lives, still trying. And God's saying, you know, you need to give me your adult children. Just, just stop it. You can't fix them. In fact, it's not even your job. Your job's to love them. So just go love them. But don't, don't fix them anymore. Quit picking at them. Or, or maybe it's your, your mom or your dad, you know, because, I mean, every one of us here can tell stories about how they, you know, psychologists are rich because of parents, right? We all know that. You know, it, it's, it's, just a, it's just a fact of life. And every one of us have parents, and, and maybe they were there, maybe they weren't, but we're walking around all hurting our chest, and we're like, oh, man, if my parents would. And it's just time to say, God, you know what? I give you my parents. I'm going to quit trying to fix them. I'm going to quit living life going, well, my dad did this. So what? Jesus Christ did this for that. And that's what we need to do today. Maybe it's you've got to have everything perfect. You're looking to do one of everything and make sure that everybody knows that you've got the perfect life. You know what? You don't have the perfect life. You're struggling just like the rest of us, and you're tired. And you just need to say, okay, God, I'm giving you this, and I'm not going to worry about what everybody else thinks. I just want to know what you think, and I'm going to do what you want me to do. Those things are exhausting, and I don't want to take those into 2020 and beyond with it. I just don't. I don't want to worry about what everybody thinks what my friends think, whether they have more than I do, whether they get to do things I don't get to do, and all those other stuff, all that other stuff. I want to start living, not being identified by my old context of who I was, but I want my identity to become what I really was meant to be. I am Jesus' son. I belong to him. He is my Father. God is my Father. And I belong to Him. So Jesus is inviting you and me to sell today. That means to come and lay it down and follow Him and live life out of following Him. Fully letting Him lead. Allowing Him to use all of our past. There's nothing wrong. You got a past. I got a past. All God's children got a past. Letting Him lead us out of that past but living life in a new future with Him. He's inviting us to quit dragging around the past, to quit trying to keep up appearances, to quit being responsible for what everything everyone else has done, to quit holding others responsible for everything they have done, to quit living in the guilt of not getting everything right. Because some of you are sitting here right now and you're going, well, you just don't know I didn't do right by my kids. So what? God forgives you. 
He forgives you. He forgives you. You need to quit holding on and making others responsible for what they've done to you. You need to wait. Quit waiting on everyone to make you happy. You need to quit faking it. You need to quit trying to live with one hand on Jesus and one hand on the other stuff because I want 2020 and beyond to be all about just following Him and the peace and the joy and the happiness and the celebration and the fun that we could have together as a community as we follow Him that way. I believe would be amazing. I just want to trust Him for the future. Father, that's my prayer this morning for all your folks, for all those who are here. There may be some today, Lord, that are saying, well, that didn't appeal to me at all. I I didn't hear a thing in it that uh, was about my life. And Lord, that's between you and them. And I'm not going to worry about that. That's, I just did what you asked me to do. But I guess, Lord, that maybe there's some here today that are saying, man, that really is speaking to my heart. I've been dragging around this baggage since I was a young teenager. I've been mad at somebody for a long, long time. I'm carrying a burden that just won't go away. My kids, my husband, my wife, all these different things. Lord, today, before they leave here, I pray that people will begin to just confess that to you. And they'll begin to say, here's a problem in my life and here's something I need to deal with. And Lord, help us to get beyond confession and head straight into repentance for our part in all the things that have been played and for our part in shutting you out of our lives and for our part in trying to make it happen on our own and help us to repent of that and to trust you and to just give you everything and to know, God, that you want to take charge over everything in our lives. Everything. Not just a little bit, but everything all the way. And Lord, and when we do that, it's going to be a great year, great decade ahead. So right now, Lord, as we sit here in the pews, I pray right now for each person. And right now as you sit there in these pews, Lord, I want you to just kind of do some things if you if you will. You don't have to. Nobody has to do anything. You can just sit there if you want to for a minute. It won't take long. But if there's something in your life that you need to give to Jesus, if there's something in your life that you have held on to for a long time, if there's someone you need to forgive, if there's if, if there's something that you need to just confess to him that, that I have been uh, trying to control, if there's something in your life that you've been trying to, to manipulate and make it come out right, if there's if you're faking it and hoping you can make it, if if uh, you're sitting there saying, uh, you know, I get so angry at my parents, I'm still trying to make my kids do any of those things I've talked about, on anything else that God's laying on your heart, would you just begin to confess that to him right now? Just begin to confess and say, Lord, here's this and here's this. and Lord, I confess to you that I've tried to manipulate my kids. Lord, I confess to you that I've let my parents, I've said that my parents were the cause and I've, I've lived as a, as a victim all, for a long time. I confess to you that I've, I've uh, tried to uh, control life and I've tried to make everybody think I had my life together when I really didn't. And then as you confess those things, and as those things come to mind, as God gives them to you, and as you confess them in your heart, I want you to begin to repent of that. Lord, forgive me. I repent. I acknowledge my part in it. I acknowledge that I 
have lived there and I've wallowed in it and I've I've enjoyed it and I've allowed that to to take over my life. And I, I repent of that right now. And I ask you to forgive me for what I have done. Lord, I, I repent. I repent of uh, of holding my parents responsible for things that they uh, did. And, and I'm still trying to say that it's their fault. I repent of making money more important than you. I repent of making my pleasure and my entertainment more important than you. I repent of, of letting myself uh, use food to take my life and to do with and to make me happy instead of turning to you. I repent of all those things, whatever it might be. And I just ask right now that you would forgive me and that we could start off 2020 with a fresh new beginning. And that in the decade ahead, it won't be going back and redoing all these things, but Lord, that we would begin to move forward into the meat, into the, the depths of what you want to do so that we as a church can grow and become the church you want us to be, so that we can be the people of God. So Lord, we, we come to you right now and we just offer up all of our gifts and sacrifices and confessions and repentance and ask you to, to make Muncie First Church your church. To do with as you see fit. That in the days ahead, Lord, you will have your way. That's what we need, Lord. And we totally, totally acknowledge that we need you right now. In Jesus' name, Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, Lord bless you again. Thank you for being out here with us today. It's been a great day. Uh, Tuesday again at, at uh, 5 o'clock, I'll be here uh, in the sanctuary. And we'll pray. Anybody that shows up, we'll have some time of prayer. I'll lead it. I've got a, a special way of doing that, that day. And, and I just really would love to have all of you come and be a part. It'll be great. And uh, Happy New Year if I don't see you between now and then. And we'll see you uh, next decade. See you later.